We do have a quorum. The San Francisco Port Commission acknowledges that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatisha Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land, and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatisha Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatishaloni community, and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. Item number two is the approval of minutes for the November 8, 2022 Port Commission meeting. Commissioners, is there a motion to approve the minutes? I so move. We have a motion and a second. All in favor, say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion passes unanimously. The minutes of the November 8, 2022 meeting are adopted. Item number three is public comment on executive session. At this time, we will take public comment on executive session. Is there any public comment in the room? Seeing none, Tedman will provide instructions now for remote participants. Thank you, President Adams. At this time, we will open the queue for anyone on the phone who would like to make public comment on executive session. Please dial star three if you wish to make a public comment. The system will let you know when the line is open. Others will wait on mute until their line is open. Comments will be limited to three minutes per person. The queue is now open. Please dial star three if you wish to make public comment. President Ben, uh, I'm sorry, President Adams. At this time, there are no members of the public wishing to make uh, public comment on executive session. Thanks, Tedman. Uh, public comment is closed. Jenica, next item, please. Item number four is executive session. There are two executive session items, one conference with legal counsel regarding anticipated litigation and one conference with real property negotiator as agendized. Commissioners, may I have a motion to go into a closed session? I so move. We have a motion and a second. All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion passes unanimously. We are now in closed session.
allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Item number seven is announcements. Commissioner Burton has left the meeting, but we still have a quorum. Please be advised that the ringing of and use of cell phones and similar sound-producing electronic devices are prohibited at this meeting. Please be advised that a member of the public has up to three minutes to make public comments on each agenda item, unless the Port Commission adopts a shorter period on any item. Public comment must be in respect to the current agenda item. The Commission will take in-person and remote public comment on each item, beginning with commenters in person. For remote public comment, dial 1-415-655-0001 and enter access code 2498-941-2998-POUND. During each public comment period, the moderator will instruct you to dial star 3 to be added to the queue for that particular item. An audio prompt will signal when it is your turn to speak. If you are watching this meeting on SFGov TV, there is a short broadcasting delay. To not miss your chance to comment, please dial when the item you want to comment on is announced. Mute your device and listen to the meeting from your telephone, which has no delay. That brings us to item number eight, public comment on items not listed on the agenda. We will take public comment on items not listed on the agenda. Is there any public comment in the room? Seeing none, at this time, Tedman will provide instructions now for remote participants. Thank you, President Adams. At this time, we will now open the queue for anyone on the phone who would like to make public comment on items not listed on the agenda. Please dial star three if you wish to make public comment. The system will let you know when it's your turn to speak. Others will wait on mute until their line is open. Comments will be limited to three minutes per person. The queue is now open. Please dial star three if you wish to make public comment. At this time, there are no members of the public wishing to make public comment on items not listed on the agenda. Thanks, Tedman. Public comment is closed. Jenica, next item, please. Item 9A is the executive director's report. Good afternoon, Mr. President, commissioners, port staff, and members of the public. I am Elaine Forbes, the executive director. I'm going to start my report with an update on commercial crab crabbing. Unfortunately, the season will be delayed to at least December 30th. The next risk assessment will be completed by December 22. This delay comes because the California Dungeness Crab Fishing Gear Working Group, composed of fishers and scientists, have concluded that fishing in the waters off the California coast would risk whale entanglement at this time. This is not new. Since 2015, there have been delays in all but one commercial Dungeness season. That said, recreational crabbing is strong. San Francisco's sport fishing boats are taking the public out of Fisherman's Wharf and returning back with both rockfish and Dungeness crab, and some are reaching the 10 crab limit. This is an exciting opportunity for folks to get out on the bay and catch crab and rockfish. Since we are our last commission meeting of 2022, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank the port commissioners. And I'm sorry there are only three of you, but this is the meeting to make the thank yous. 
I've really been thinking about the contributions each of you have made to our organization and how strong we are because of your stewardship. We have a very clear vision of what we're trying to accomplish, and we have an ex a strategic plan to excel in our achievements. And commissioners, you've given us that strategic plan and all of the guidance uh, to pull us through. I want to thank you, President Adams, in particular. We have had a great year in maritime. Cruise is better than it's ever been. Federal and state investments are coming in now because of your work. We had Secretary Buttigieg call our own Mayor London Bree to talk about the Amador Street funding. This route is key to our uh, maritime industrial lands. And you are also guiding us on business development. You have made such a major contribution to the incredible maritime team, which Andre Coleman is at the helm. The legacy of your work, we hope, will be a very active blue-green maritime portfolio that supports jobs and jobs for the future while healing our planet for future generations. We couldn't imagine a, a better business plan. And of course, this work will grow our revenues. Maritime has been the stable and strong force of our revenues throughout this pandemic. So commissioners, we're very lucky to have you. You have great strengths and help us push forward our bold efforts. You are also the wind in our sails to create an anti-racist organization. The commission itself reflects diversity and the values of equitable leadership. You are diverse in race, you are diverse in gender, experiences and approach, and you're all at the same table working to guide our organization. You have various skills, knowledges, and perspectives, and sometimes you don't agree, and I think that's healthy. The Port Commission, you arrive at great decisions because you are united to move the mission of the Port forward. You are visionary and adaptable, and you also welcome to learn from staff, and we appreciate that. We Port staff will continue to emulate the Commission's equitable practices and follow the light that you're shining on what is possible for an anti-racist organization. The Commission has been ready and willing to lead us on our bold journey, and with incredible successes in 2022, we have a bright future for 2023. So thank you, Commissioners. The Port has made so many accomplishments in 2022, I cannot report on it in this format. I'm going to ask you to, you and the public, to review our Port of San Francisco Impact Report for 2022, which lays out all the various details. We really are ending the year with an unimaginable record of success. We have delivered to our best of our ability a safe, equitable, and vibrant waterfront at a time when delivering public spaces is very challenging. Our waterfront stands out for our clean streets. It stands out for well-managed and accessible promenades and the new bike lane and safer, reliable transportation. We have risen to the occasion under your leadership to bring back the waterfront more equitably with more vibrant partnerships, offering, and visitors. We're seeing big velocity in the return to the waterfront, and it shows even in our numbers. We ended this year with $16 million of profit, even though we, would sure, we were certain to end the year at a loss, covering our operating and capital expenses. We welcome people with pop-ups, concerts, cruise calls, and many more offerings. This is fueling uh, the recovery of our financial footing and of the city overall. We and our tenants and our residents and our businesses, we're really looking forward to our recovery and renewal next year. We want people to keep returning and discovering the Port of San Francisco and the San Francisco Bay, perhaps one of the most beautiful places in the world. 
The hard work in 2022 has paid off, but we have so much work ahead. We have an activation plan. It's very aggressive. But getting our organization onto a sound financial footing is not going to be an easy and quick effort. We have had a structural deficit in our balance sheet probably since we were transferred from the state. We do not make enough money to repair our assets, even those we operate directly. With the way we're headed, we will lose the value of our assets unless we can move into finding other sources of revenue or public-private partnerships. We cannot stand in this position and be successful over the long haul. We have to have enough revenue to run our operations and pay for our capital to keep this organization and our port thriving. We have a bold move to bring forward an economic, economic recovery program that really reaches durable, durable long-standing results. And we have hired a leader who is prepared to take us on that, on that journey. I'm going to introduce her shortly. She's been at the port before. She's a, she's a known person who has accomplished so much because of her expertise and her ability to bring people together. I'd like to introduce Megan Wallace. She is our economic recovery manager. Thank you so much, Executive Director Forbes. Good evening, Commissioners. Um, as uh, Executive Director Forbes stated, my name is Megan Wallace. Um, and this afternoon, I'm going to provide a brief update to our economic recovery work. Um, and so if I may go ahead and start the slide. Um, I just want to highlight, actually, going back one slide before I begin speaking, I just, I really love this picture and seeing the ferry building and the waterfront with the city at our backdrop. And I just want to highlight going into, you know, what I'm going to be sharing with you, how the port's economic recovery work really is so integral to that city in the background as well. And just thinking about how our waterfront connects us to the city and our success is going to help the success of the city. So um, while I'm new to the economic recovery role, um, as um, stated previously, I'm not new to the Port of San Francisco. Um, I'm very familiar with the port's wonderful staff um, and work culture, our operations, finances, and unique challenges due to my work, particularly in finance and budget. Um, and I'm looking forward to leveraging these relationships and my knowledge about the port as I move forward um, with working alongside staff, leadership, and our business partners um, to develop and implement strategies that address um, the economic impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic, um, as well as improve the delivery of key services along our waterfront. Um, as highlighted in the bullets here, just want to highlight that this work spans across various phases. Um, it's not going to be a big bang of economic recovery. Um, that first stage really is in developing and refining economic recovery initiatives. Um, and then allocating resources to the extent that we don't have sufficient funding or staffing um, either already in place or in the right places. Um, I'll be working to highlight where those changes need to be made. And then ultimately, we'll get to executing concepts that improve our economic outlook, as well as I should highlight our staff experiences and effectiveness. Um, I think there's an element of controlling cost, costs and expanding revenues, but there's also an element of my work that means looking for opportunities to help our staff succeed so that we can all be doing this work together. 
So before I get too far and you have an understanding of my role, <clears throat> I'd like to take some time to share my initial findings about the work of the port. Um, and first, I just want to highlight the fact that this economic recovery work has been underway for some time. Uh, throughout the pandemic, um, the, the port staff have been underway with stabilizing our waterfront and making sure that services have been provided um, during um, the most challenging of times. Um, and then also the port's planning work really has set the stage for economic recovery. Just thinking about how um, economic recovery is a goal within our strategic plan. Um, I was talking earlier about funding and staffing. Well, the fact is that this current year budget has already taken steps to make sure the staff and funding is in place to do things like tenant improvements or making sure that we have um, someone such as myself helping lead the charge on this work. Um, and then additionally, the waterfront activation plan, really thinking about how to attract people to the waterfront. I have a real benefit and fortune of stepping into this role with all of this work already having been done. So I'm really just picking up where the port has already been, you know, taking these steps. Um, and now I get to lead the charge, um, particularly in, in thinking about activating our waterfront in a safe, equitable, and vibrant way. So now I'm going to take a little bit more time and talk more about um, each of those elements of what I just said, safe, equitable, and vibrant. Um, first of all, it is critical that people feel safe to come down to the waterfront. Uh, we want to encourage visitors to be down here um, and remind their friends and neighbors to come join us. Um, so thinking about uh, making sure that our property is clean, having public safety resources, managing um, our public spaces. All of these things are, are elements of how people are going to want to come down here um, and encourage their friends and family uh, to do so as well. Um, equity um, is so important for the port. I know that um, this organization is deeply committed to its equity work. Um, and really, uh, by infusing equity in our uh, economic recovery efforts work, by intentionally breaking down barriers and generating opportunities that diversify our visitors and businesses that enjoy our waterfront, we'll al also expand the, expand the port's opportunity for e economic recovery. I just want to be really clear here that um, our strategic goals of economic recovery and equity are in alignment and complement one another. Um, I'm going to go ahead and call out the final bullet on this slide um, as a great example of this, um, where the port may be challenged to change some of our, some of our practices and prior thinking. Uh, for example, we have historically pushed to require new tenants to complete their own facility improvements. Um, but the vacant facility strategy actually calls upon the port to use stim stimulus funds to complete some of that work. Um, that would lower barriers to entry and attract small and diverse tenants who might not have previously been able to access our facilities or our market, accessing the people who come across the waterfront. Um, so not only are we lowering those barriers and having an equity mindset and approach, but that can actually increase um, or shorten, I should say, the timeline to the port generating revenue in those facilities. Um, and so I think that's just a great example of how equity and economic recovery initiatives can complement each other. And then, of course, a vibrant waterfront. We all know how beautiful it is down here. 
um, and how, what it was like before the pandemic, I would say that we do feel that energy and excitement down here today, but not everybody knows to come down here and access it. Um, so we just need to continue this work of creating our exceptional places, expanding uh, maritime uh, tra transportation options, promoting our partners, thinking about all of these activities. We have over 300 activities scheduled, events scheduled for fiscal year, um, for this upcoming calendar year of 2023. Um, but targeted activation is a real area that I'll be diving into, um, you know, thinking about those quiet places along those waterfront, uh, along the waterfront where we've had ongoing vacancies, thinking about ways to activate those spaces, um, make them more energetic, and make people feel like the waterfront is alive again. Um, but it's important to think about the timeline that it'll take for all of these things. Safety and equity really are current and ongoing efforts, right? Like. We're doing what we can now, and, and that's never going to end. But when it comes to vibrancy and our efforts to activate the waterfront, I really do think about it in three phases where there will be immediate activation, sort of a jump start um, to our work, have those events along the waterfront, but also thinking about how can we activate open spaces, get vacant spaces filled maybe with short-term tenants. Um, so there are a lot of ideas out there that staff will be pursuing with regard to that short-term quick activation. But really the fruits of our labor for these longer term, the mid and long-term efforts, um, such as completing cap, um, capital improvements, um, investing in our Southern waterfront infrastructure to help uh, attract maritime partners, attract additional federal and state funding, um, really understanding what our line of defense strategy is gonna be with regard to waterfront resiliency, all of those things are gonna take some more time. So in my work, I'll be very clear um, in terms of timeline, um, what's low hanging fruit that can be accomplished in the short term versus the longer term efforts that may be more challenging and require you know, different types of investment in, um, of staff and funding. So, in conclusion, just want to highlight some of the key next steps um, that I'll be taking on in my role. Um, again, I'm in the develop and refine stage, so working alongside staff and the leadership team, our port partners, um, to really understand our inventory of economic recovery initiatives. We've got a really good list, but we need to map it out and understand um, you know, what is short and long term, what's easy what's going to be challenging. Um, and then ultimately get into the work of homing in on um, you know, the different uh, details for each uh, type of initiative. Um, you know, ability to increase jobs and visitors all the way down to alignment with our strategic plan. Um, I do wanna highlight that uh, engagement strategies will be a really important part of this work. Um, I do see it as critical for making sure that we are successful in implementing any of our various strategies. Um, it could be uh, working internally with staff for some sort of internal change management all the way to engaging tenants um, and neighborhood advisory committees. Um, so we'll be providing more details as the various initiatives start to 
get legs under them. Uh, but just want to be clear up front that I do see engagement as a critical part of this work. So a lot <laughs> is ahead of us. Uh, um, so wish me luck <laughs> as I take on this new role. Um, I believe this is going to be the main update that I give for now, and I'll be returning in June of 2023, next year, but not too far from now, um, to give an update um, or an, an overview overall um, on the progress. Thank you so much. Thank you, Megan. We really appreciate it. We'll leave questions for the end, um, and Megan can come back. Um, so we're extremely excited to have Megan on board. Um, we've had Tony Autry on board leading our equity program, and it's changed. It's been a game changer to have someone completely allocated and focused. And uh, we're very excited to have Megan. I'd like to turn to equity now. Um, just like with economic recovery, there's too much for me to talk about in this format. So I'm going to ask folks to look at this report. Uh, but I want everyone to know that we are making huge strides on equity. And we still have a long way to go, of course. Uh, but we are working uh, to make our waterfront a waterfront for all and for the port to be a truly anti-racist organization. We've been helping small businesses with our development partners. We're building equitable communities. And we're also taking real serious steps to breathe life into our organization so we can see where structural racism has had an impact on us and we can fight back. Uh, the team is identifying areas related to um, employee advancement, employee resources um, that are critical to resolve. We have come together as teams in uh, training and talking to each other about what we would, what it would need to look like and what we would need to do to get there. We have convenings with women in maintenance. I've had two now experiences talking about what it feels like to be a woman in maintenance and what still are the barriers to gender equity in our organization. So we are on our journey. We are well away on our path. I, ha I have some highlights to go over, but I know this is a long report. So again, looking at the uh, impact report will be critical. Uh, but I'm very proud of the team. I'm very proud of Port staff who are basically now demanding a diverse and inclusive workplace. And that is where we wanted to come to infuse equity into our organization. With resilience, it's been a big year for resilience. Um, from the living seawall launch that our maintenance team put together under the guidance of the Smithsonian Institute, we're figuring out what we can do on our seawall to bring in critters that support our fisheries. Supporting our fisheries is very, very critical to our future and just ecology in general. We've identified those 23 critical projects, our first life safety projects, and six of them are moving along into uh, design and should be ready for construction as early as 2024. Um, and this will initiate real opportunities for jobs, again, from our organization and the construction work. <clears throat> we just secured $5 million from Speaker Pelosi to, to finish the flood study. Once again, she leaned in to help us figure out our line of defense. And we're rolling out the adaptation strategies and finding innovative ways to bring more of the public in to have the conversations about what our future should look like and where is our line of defense. We will be talking with the commission about this very much coming into the new year and things are moving on resilience. I'm very proud that this organization stands as a leader in this space. Uh, we are ahead of many communities, um, but we are also learning from those who are, have been ahead of us. Um, so t to key projects, I turn to two. Uh, we've decided, the SFMTA and Port have decided to hold off on the testing of the North Embarcadero Lane. Um, 
they, the SFMTA may decide to uh, resurrect this idea for the future and work, come back to the commission and talk about it. The SFMTA has committed to us to analyze the signal timing, which I have observed to be a challenge. Uh, many of us have observed, and they are going to make any adjustments in 2023. So we're very excited about that commitment. And with very exciting news, we will, com we will con uh, complete the living shoreline at Heron's Head Park by the end of this year improving habitat, protecting wetlands, and erosion from sea level rise. And we did this all with grant money. Congratulations to the port team and Carol Bach in particular. I do need to communicate the write-off policy. Commissioners, consistent with the write-off policy adopted pursuant to resolution 2211, port staff provide reports summarizing two recommended write-off accounts, and you have 30 days to review before we process. If anyone has concerns, please contact me in 30 days, and we will schedule a future commission item to discuss. Now I turn to Carl Nasita, your commission secretary, who is leaving the port for the Department of Building Inspection. Carl has received a promotion and will be running the legislative program for the Department of Building Inspection. It's a big job to run that program, and we're very proud of Carl for his uh, promotive opportunity and for the big role he will play at DBI. I know you have uh, words to thank him as your commission secretary, but I wanted to thank him as my assistant. So uh, Carl Nasita has been a wonderful, wonderful collaborator to me. I'm going to admit now <laughs> that while I organize a lot of things, I am personally not the most organized person. And it's been challenging to tackle that. But Carl Nasita, he organized me. He organized me completely, and it was amazing. Now I will stay organized. So that was a great partnership, and it helped me tremendously, and it helped me be a better leader. Um, Carl also has a great deal of integrity and is extraordinarily hardworking. Uh, so we're very lucky to have him for two years, and we're saddened he's leaving. We had the passing of a port commissioner who served for 16 years from 1994 to 2010, Commissioner Michael Hardiman. He was involved in very major projects. Michael Hardiman, yes, a labor leader. He was involved in many, many projects, including the rehabilitation of the ferry building, Piers 1, 5 and a half, and the Exploratorium. He also provided a lot of guidance on the Gi Giants Ballpark, the cruise ship terminal, the J.R. Herman cruise ship terminal, and our master developments at Pier 70 and Mission Rock, and the Brandon Street cruise terminal and Pier 43 open spaces. So he was uh, involved in a lot of port transformation in his 16 years. Um, he was a native San Franciscan, third generation. He was an artist and a sign painter. He was a very active la labor leader, and he contributed to numerous civic organizations. I knew him. He was a wonderful, wonderful person. He always compl uh, commented on the importance of leadership to make the port a great place to work. He cared very much about our employees when he was on commission. We send our condolences to his family, and he has a legacy here that's uh, living and breathing on our waterfront. So we're so appreciative. We would like you to end the meeting in his honor. And finally, I want to wish everyone a very happy, happy holiday season. I uh, wish everyone peace and joy. I have extraordinary gratitude to you and the port staff for all you've done this past year and all the ways you've achieved and overachieved and the way you work together <coughs> and the way you care about this place and one another. And I'm very inspired to be the captain of this team, and I'm very lucky. And so we look forward to 2023. Thank you. That concludes my report. Thank you, Elaine. Um, 
How would you want to do this for Carl? Did you want to do it under the commissioner's deal? How do you want to do that? Now would be the appropriate time, Mr. President. Okay. Um, is there any public, anybody from the public, any staff, please come up. If anyone has to say anything about Carl, please hit the mic. Rebecca Benison, Deputy Director for Real Estate and Development. I know Carl would not want all of us to gush, um, so I will just be very brief and say we are going to miss you so much. Um, you have been an incredible organizing function, not only for Elaine, but for us, because we need Elaine and Elaine needs us, and you have been an absolute fantastic conduit, and you will, we always say this, you will always have a home at the port. We will always be a resource to you, and the city is small, and we will cross paths again. So best of luck to you. Thank you. Carl, um, I just want to add my voice. You've been an amazing collaborator. It's, you always come to an engagement in the best possible mood. You're so calm about what needs to come next. Um, I'm, I'm like Elaine, I'm not the most organized person and you've helped me be more organized in my dealings with Elaine. Um, I, was, I was amazed to watch you perform your function as you were you know, testing for, for law school and thinking about that next step in your life and you manage that extraordinarily well. And I think this is just an, an obvious next step in your career growth, moving into this legislative role for another, another department. And I know that you're gonna excel at it and we're gonna miss you deeply. So thank you, Carl. Anyone else from the uh Port that has anything that they want to say about Carl? Okay. Um, commissioner Lee? Well, as a, the newest commissioner here, Carl, coming from, you know, from a, a commission of 10 people to 300, and I'm, you know, being overwhelmed, and you help really help guide me with everything from day one I stepped on this port property. I want to really thank you for that. And now who's going to be the glue, you know? You kind of remind me of the Radar O'Reilly from MASH. You know, you just kind of, if I have a question, just ask him and he knows. So, but anyway, thank you. And I know DBI is going to, they need help over there. So I think you're going to improve. Yeah. I mean, trust me, I know DBI very well. So good luck and thank you so much. Commissioner Gilman. Um, Carl, I just want to thank you so much for all of your support of me of helping me feel grounded and particularly on the equity subcommittee for the port. Your voice was always there to ensure that um, when we when we met with you and Tony, me, Commissioner Brandon, for those just updates that you really articulated, A, the needs of port staff and reminding us of equity um, from everything from our land dedication and we introductory to these meetings to, to reminding us about that. So I really want to commend that work. I hope you carry that work forward to your new department as a former DBI commissioner. Um, they do need a lot of help and support. Um, I will say we're more fun than them. So whenever you miss us, <laughs> um, come on back. Um, you've been um, a lifeline for me and I really appreciate you. Thank you and good luck. Carl, <clears throat> wow. Um, I'm happy, and I'm really glad that that you're you're going on your journey, and you and I had this conversation. And uh, 
You've been focused. You're a class act. Uh, you're an eagle, and it's time to fly. And this was your training ground here, and you had that uh, opportunity. My grandmother used to say, in order to grow, you at least have to do one thing a day that makes you afraid to get outside your comfort zone, and you're doing that. And to have got your training ground here at the port, uh, I've watched you grind. And now I see Jenica sitting next to you. So we continue, you know, and as you move on. And you know what? The most important thing in life is to be happy and to do something that you really like. And sometimes we can all find ourselves in a rut in life, but we got to keep pushing. Got to keep pushing forward. So I'm glad to see you go. And I hope, young man, you find that happiness that you're looking for in your life, right? And you left the mark here at this port. And have fun. Life's short. It, 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 goes, it goes fast. And do what you want to do. And, and keep using those talents of yours till you get to where you want to be at in life, right? So thank you so much. And at that time, I think you need to come up to the mic. Say a few words, Carl. Hey. <laughs> That's where you need to be. I did write some things down, so. President Adams, commissioners, Director Forbes, port staff, members of the public. In reflecting on my transition, I thought about how I joined the port in the early days of the pandemic, which is a really strange time to join an organization. But even meeting virtually, I felt immediately welcomed by my colleagues, by you. And I especially immediately saw all of the amazing work that was being done under really extraordinary circumstances at that time with astounding, terrific results. So thank you all. Thank you, Director Forbes and my colleagues for your mentorship and support throughout the couple of years that I've been here. I think you all know that I take my job, my role as a public servant, like a vocation. And I'm really excited to take everything that I've learned here at the port from all of my wonderful colleagues. Um, and this next step in my career, still in city government, though not here on this very vibrant waterfront that I love so, so much. But thank you. Thank you, Carl. Um, Director Forbes, thank you for your report. Now, at this time, we will take public comment. Is there any public comment in the room on the report of the executive director? Any comments on the report of the executive director? Seeing none, Tedman will provide instructions now for remote participants. Thank you, President Adams. At this time, we will open the queue for anyone on the phone who would like to make public comment on the executive director's report. Please dial star three if you wish to make public comment. The system will let you know when your line is open. Others will wait on mute until their line is open. Comments will be limited to three minutes per person. The queue is now open. Please dial star three if you wish to make public comment. President Adams, at this time, there are no members of the public wishing to make public comment. Thanks, Tedman. At this time, public comment is closed. Next item, please. Item 10A is the consent calendar. I'm sorry, item 10 is the consent calendar. 10A requests approval of a resolution adopting findings under state urgency legislation to allow certain members of this body to attend meetings remotely during the COVID-19 emergency. 
Item 10B, requests authorization to advertise for competitive bids for construction contract number 2848, Roundhouse 2 Roof, Solarium and Windows Resolution, Resolution 2263. Item 10C, requests approval of the operating agreement, contract number OP-0010, with Aeroground Inc. DBA Menzies Aviation, granting authority to operate its location at 606 McDonald Road, San Francisco, California, as a foreign trade zone number three usage-driven site for a term of five years, with one operation to extend for four years, and outlining conditions for the operation of the usage-driven site. Resolution 2264. Item 10D is authorization to one, file with the California Building Standards Commission the port's amendments to the 2022 California Building Standards Code and the local findings that support such modifications. Two, repeal the current 2019 Port of San Francisco Building Standards Code, which includes the 2019 Port of San Francisco Building, Existing Building, Mechanical, Electrical, Plumbing, and Green Buildings Standards Codes, effective midnight December 31st, 2022, and three, adopt the 2022 Port of San Francisco Building Standards Code, which includes the 2022 Port of San Francisco Building, Existing Building, Mechanical, Electrical, Plumbing, and Green Building Standards Codes with an effective date of January 1st, 2023. That's Resolution 2265. And Item 10E is authorization to advertise a request for proposals for Heron's Head Park Marsh Revegetation and Transitional Age Work Training Program. That's Resolution 2266. Commissioners, is there a motion to approve the consent calendar? I so move to approve the consent calendar. <clears throat> I'll second. We've got a motion and a second. Uh, we will take public comment. Is there any public comment in the room? Any public comment in the room? Seeing none, Tedman will provide instructions now for remote participants. Thank you, President Adams. At this time, we will open the queue for anyone on the phone who would like to make public comment on the consent calendar. Please dial star three if you wish to make public comment. The system will let you know when your line is open. Others will wait unmute until their line is open. Comments will be limited to three minutes per person. The queue is now open. Please dial star three if you wish to make public comment on the consent calendar. At this time, there are no members of the public wishing to make public comment on the consent calendar. Thanks, Tedman. Public comment is closed. We have a motion and a second, commissioners. All in favor, say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion passes unanimously. Resolutions 2262 through 2266 are adopted. Jenica, next item, please. Item 11A is hearing and request approval to amend the Ports Harbor Traffic Code to update certain parking and curb restrictions on port streets within Mission Bay to accommodate events at the Chase Center. Resolution 2267. Good afternoon, President Adams, Commissioner Gilman and Lee, um, Director Forbes. My name is Jennifer G, Senior Property Manager with the Ports Real Estate and Development staff. I'm here today to request your approval to amend the Ports Harbor Traffic Code to update parking and curb restrictions to accommodate games and events at the Chase Center. Before I get started, I do wanna thank my colleagues for their guidance and assistance um, bringing this item before you today. Kimberly Beal, Becca Benassini, David Beaupre, Rona Sandler, and our colleagues at SFMTA, Mari Hunter and Hank Wilson. 
Port Commission adopted the Harbor Code, including the Harbor Traffic Code and its amendments to regulate the use of vehicles and impose traffic regulations on port property. SFMTA also assists the port in management of on-street parking and curb management on port streets. Recognizing the traffic impacts of basketball games in the, with the new basketball arena in San Francisco, the city is committed to work with the Golden State Warriors and the community to ensure traffic to and around the arena are well managed. During the transportation planning of Chase Center, SFMTA took the lead on the development of the Chase Center access plan that provides access to the arena. In 2019, the Port Commission approved parking and access restrictions on port streets to accommodate games and events in and around Chase that are consistent with the access plan. Since the opening of Chase, SFMTA has analyzed the street operations on game and event days, and after reviewing traffic flow, enforcement actions, and feedback from the community, as well as feedback from Chase staff, SFMTA now recommends adjustments to the Port's Harbor Traffic Code to better manage curb use and metered parking, parking restrictions and enforcement on Terry Francois Boulevard, also known as TFB, Illinois Street, 16th Street, and Warriors Way. Um, the proposed Harbor Code amendments include relocating 80 feet of dedicated parking for accessible shuttle and paratransit parking located on the west side of TFB between Warriors Way and 16th Street, establishing designated passenger and commercial loading zones on the perimeter streets of Chase Center, which include TFB, 16th, Warriors Way, and Illinois. And lastly, to increase the maximum time limit for commercial loading zones from 30 minutes to 60 minutes. SFMTA anticipates that these changes will increase parking meter revenues, improve traffic flow, improve pedestrian vehicular safety, and also, um, sorry, <laughs> and also likely decrease in citations by improving parking enforcement in the area. In addition, in 2015, the San Francisco Commission on Community Investment and Infrastructure, OCII, certified the final subsequent environmental impact report for the Golden State Warriors Event Center and Mixed Use Project. The proposed amendments today to the Ports Harbor Traffic Code are within the scope of the FSEIR. And in conclusion, Port staff recommends approval of Port Resolution 2267 to amend the Ports Harbor Traffic Code to adjust parking and curb regulations in and around Chase Center. Uh, Mari Hunter with SFMTA and I are here today to answer any additional questions you may have. Thanks, Jennifer G, for your presentation. <laughs> Commissioners, is there a motion? So move. <clears throat> um, yes, I approve. Okay. Now <laughs> let's now let's open it up. <laughs> I'm <for> thinking. <laughs> now let's open it up for public comment. Is there any public comment in the room? No public comment. Tedman will provide instructions now for remote participants. Thank you, President Adams. At this time, we will open the queue for anyone on the phone who would like to make public comment on this item, 11A. Please dial star three if you wish to make public comment. The system will let you know when your line is open. Others will wait on mute until their line is open. Comments will be limited to three minutes per person. The queue is now open. Please dial star three if you wish to make public comment.
At this time, there are no members of the public on the phone wishing to make public comment. Thanks, Tedman. Uh, public comment is closed. Uh, Commissioner Lee. Um, <clears throat> I mean, obviously, this has uh, been done a while. And for me to actually know if there's any impact to small business around there, I'm mean, supposed to help the chase. I just am um, hoping that it doesn't impact like Mission Rock and the ramp and all those places around there. Um, what I like about it is you took away a lot of the tollway uh, because when, when somebody gets towed away, it's terrible, $600 just for the recovery and then the ticket. Um, and you know, when you're doing that to tourists and people that are visiting, mm -hmm. it's really brutal. So the only thing I can say about it is I approve that it's hopefully make things better. But I just, I'm, without me really going out there to look, that um, it's not impeding on some of the small businesses around there that are still trying to get some of that business. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm supportive and approve this for now. Thank you. I do want to say that SFMT and the port did take into consideration Mission Rock Resort and the Ramp Restaurant and anything on TFB below Mission Rock Restaurant, uh, right where the cutoff is, where the restaurant is, mm -hmm. um, is regular parking there. This does not impact any of those areas. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Gilman. Um, Jennifer, thank you for your, Jennifer, thank you for your report. It was lovely. I support the item. Thank no you. questions. Jennifer, this is the first time that I've heard you present. I would have to say, you did a great job. Mm -hmm. Thank You're you. You're very calm. and you, President you, Adams. Uh, you took it right to the mic the way you're supposed to, and uh, I really like that. Uh, and I live in that area, right? I live a block from the Chase Center, so I really appreciate this, and I'm, I'm in support. So we have a motion and a second. All in favor, say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion passes unanimously. Resolution 2267 is adopted. Jenica, next item, please. Thank you, Commissioner. Item 12A is authorization to award contracts from a request for qualifications for as-needed engineering and related professional services to four most qualified firms in the amount of $4 million each and a five-year term and to create a pre-qualified pool of qualified respondents. Resolution 2268. Hi. Good afternoon, commissioners. My name is Stephanie Tang, and I'm here to request authorization to award four contracts for engineering and related services, as well as to create a pre-qualified pool. The four high-scoring entities are listed here before you. Each contract will be for $4 million with an initial term of four years with an option to extend for one more year, so five years, $16 million in total. In addition, there are seven firms who scored high enough to qualify for a pre-qualified pool. The pre-qualified pool is for additional awards in the next two years, and the port will follow the Chapter 6 requirements for the selection process and delegated authority for rewarding these additional contracts. These as-needed contracts are really an important piece in supporting the engineering division and their work, but these engineering projects really support maritime and real estate as well. And the services of these contracts will advance the strategic initiatives of evolution and productivity and equity and resilience. So what would these contracts do? There's a lot on the slide. And <laughs> that is because the engineering team of Rade Washita, Shannon Karens, and Uday Prasad really did a wonderful job of outlining what are our needs and really being specific. And we're going to return to this point later. 
we categorize the scopes based on how we thought they would be used. Primary scopes are what we really expect to be used and therefore we'll spend a lot of dollars on these. Secondary are somewhat likely to be used and tertiary are the, we wanted to have them in but they're gonna be pretty rare. This slide outlines the selection process. We initially advertised this in July, did outreach, held a pre-proposal meeting of 120 firms, answered 51 questions and received proposals. And despite our best intentions to craft a perfect RFP, it wasn't perfect. And we decided to actually reject and rebid the proposals. And we did this because a single proposal had a unanticipated and unconventional approach to our RFQ. And the fastest way to make sure that we secured a process was to reject and, and re-advertise. We did this re-advertising within two weeks of the initial bid due date. So there was, you know, we were really trying to keep up the momentum. And we structured the proposals in a way to really make sure the respondents from the first time around could re-respond with as minimal effort as possible. So if you responded the first time around, there was just one additional page you had to attest to and sign, and then you could submit your old proposal. We did do an addendum to extend the deadline, so the final deadline was September 12th. And at the end of this second process, we received seven proposals and worked with CMD in the evaluation of the proposals. This here is the selection process. We first had a review for minimum qualifications, and then you can see the selection criteria for the written proposal. You will see that this is the first time where we had submittal of a DEI, a diversity, equity, and inclusion plan as a scored criteria, so you see that here. The written proposal was worth a maximum of 100 points, and the oral interview was worth a total of, I said 25, and that's 30. My apologies, it should be 30 points. All firms scored um, more than 75 points, could be advanced to the oral interview, and the, that was also the cutoff to be qualified for the pre-qualified pool. The questions were there was a presentation at the oral interview, there were two advanced questions with 48 hours notice to prepare, and then there was one on the spot question. So here are the scores. The highest ranking teams are Moffat and Nickel and OLMM JV. Then we have COE and Telemann JV as a team. Then third is GHD Structus. Uh, fourth is Arcadis and Lotus Water. Below the dark line are the three teams which scored high enough for the pre-qualified pool. Those are Ryan Joy Structural Design, Stantec McGovern McDonald, and Parsons FMG. I'm <coughs> delighted to share that all the teams had a LBE as a prime or as a JV partner, and one team is a LBE prime lead. You'll notice that the scores here that this is worth a total of 130 points and we, the respondents scored very highly here. Um, at the conclusion of the interviews, a panel member remarked that he would work with any one of these 77 teams. So um, my sincere congratulations to the respondents. This slide shows the four teams for immediate award. All of these teams have significant experience with public entities as well as with marine engineering experience, either with the port or with other national or even international entities. You'll note that these teams are large between you know, 16 and almost 30 um, subs. And we hope this means that we can respond quickly and nimbly for when we have a need. Um, and there are a number of firms on these teams that we've not seen before. This is a slide about the teams who scored high enough to be in the pre-qualified pool. And these teams are also excellent for when there is additional work and the port anticipates <coughs> going back to these firms as well as the pool for additional awards. 
For next steps, this is the schedule that we anticipate um, moving forward with to get these contracts done. Now, before I get to the final slide to ask for authorization, I wanted to take a break from the typical flow and talk a little bit about equity. We know that the engineering industry is not diverse, and that is frankly a detriment to this industry. But one, our series of contracts can't change the entire industry, but we can raise our voices and be part of the engine for change and have a strategy to increase equity opportunities. And I wanted to share some of what we did here. We did very broad outreach. We had over 500 firms. We outreached early. We went beyond San Francisco. For example, we reached out to the Black Chambers in Solano and Oakland. We advertised to women professional engineering organizations. We took a regional approach to really saying, like, who is out there beyond San Francisco? I've already mentioned the DEI plan, how we included that, um, so that we could really ask, hey, what is your approach to diversity in this industry? to your workforce, to professional development, to work with subs, to the community. And of the seven respondents, six submitted a DEI plan. So six out of seven, um, one did not. We have informal debriefs with all of the seven proposal, proposing teams this week, and um, we will be raising the DEI plans as a, an opportunity to have additional conversation. Then next, we at our last time together, I talked about the forum-based RFQ, so I won't revisit what we did there. This is the first time we did it. But um, I did want to pause a little bit and talk about the as-needed contracts and the existential problem of how we match subcontracting commitments in an as-needed contract to actual utilization. What happens is for an as-needed contract is that we don't know the exact scope, so we can't say this is exactly what you need. And what happens is that the department makes a guess and the teams make a guess. So you make an estimate off of an estimate, and it doesn't end up so well. So that is where we really kind of came to this idea of, hey, we need to inject more certainty in this process. And part of that is our responsibility. And that is part how we came up with this idea of doing the primary, secondary, tertiary scopes. And this actually relates to the question, Commissioner Gilman, you asked at the last meeting, which was, hey, are LBEs getting substantial work, and how are they getting used? And I actually want to push it one step further and say, you know, what we're hearing is that LBEs are being used to be meet a requirement to the team. They help a prime, they help someone else win, and they don't get work because the scope doesn't show up and there's no accountability or consequence. And that is kind of like, you know, the, the real implications of what this problem is. So the hard part about your question is that the city can't dictate to a prime how it staff its team or um, or how they're going to sign the work. We can't tell a prime that they should use a sub for architecture instead of cab. That's just not something we can do. But if substantial means dollar value, you know, are you actually getting paid for the work, then we do have a role. And with that, what we did was we wanted to be really clear in what are the dollars and how they're going to relate. Primary means more dollars. And in that way, we could provide certainty and set up the prime sub relationships better. So in addition to doing this primary, secondary, tertiary, we actually took it one step further, which is that we connected the, the use of the scopes to actually credit for utilization. So for the secondary and tertiary scopes, we set a ceiling for LB utilization. A single secondary scope of work was maxed out at 5%, and a single tertiary scope was maxed out at 1% credit. And with this, we made it much harder for a prime to overpromise to a subcontractor. And in that way, 
we're hoping that this means that they can't just bring on a sub and leave them hanging with no work. So unfortunately, it'll take a few years for us to decide if our experimental approach is going to work. Um, and but our thought is that this will allow us to better track real utilization if we can connect it to some aspect of certainty. Yet it still preserves the flexibility that we want in an actual as-needed contract. And I didn't share this at the last contracting update when I was last here because we're kind of mid-experiment. Um, but since the commissioner asked the question, I wanted to report back how I was secretly happy because we'd already been thinking about this problem in terms of how we address it. And this is one, this is one way we're trying to get to what we see as being the real issue with as-needed contracts, creating certainty, and making sure that people are really getting used. So um, now that I'm back from my commercial break, I can get back to what the other business of what this what we're here for, which is that I'm here to request the authorization to award the four contracts and then also the ability to um, create the pre-qualified pool for the seven qualifying firms. And that concludes my presentation. And I also wanted to thank my colleague, Elizabeth Alexander Toot, who has been very instrumental in making sure this gets done, really helping brainstorm as well as implement a lot of the experiments that we're doing for this particular round of contracts. Um, so thank you very much for, uh, for your assistance, Elizabeth. And thank you. Thank you, Stephanie. Great presentation. Uh, Commissioner, is there a motion? So move. Yes. We have a motion in a second. Now let's open it up for public comment. Is there any public comment in the room? Any public comment? You knocked it out of the park, Steph. Yeah. Again, uh, seeing that, none. Uh, Tib, and now we'll provide instructions now for remote participants. Thank you, President Adams. At this time, we will open the queue for anyone on the phone who would like to make public comment on item 12A. Please dial star three if you wish to make public comment. The system will let you know when your line is open. Others will wait on mute until their line is open. Comments will be limited to three minutes per person. The queue is now open. Please dial star three if you wish to make public comment. At this time, there are no members of the public on the phone wishing to make a public comment on item 12A. Thanks, Tedman. At this time, public comment is closed. We have a motion and a second. Uh, Commissioner Gilman. Um, Stephanie, thank you so much for this report. I just want to make sure I, I'm supportive of the item. I just want to make sure I'm understanding a couple of points mm -hmm. correctly. Um, so when you were talking about the experiment you're doing with the, with the caps, I just want to make, so are you saying that for secondary work in the secondary tranche of what those activities are, that it's guaranteeing a minimum of 5%? No, no. So I was a little confused. Are no, you walking through that again? Yes, that's. Thank you for clarifying. We can't guarantee anything because this is an as-needed contract. But what happens is that the primes make a guess about how their team is going to be used, and then they get LBE credit based on those dollars. So what we did was we said, hey, realistically, don't give anybody for more than 5% for these secondary scopes, because that's not going to be what happens in actual utilization. Okay. So it's not an actual guarantee. It's just a way to manage how LBE credit is given in a more realistic way. Because the typical way a contract is set up for an as-needed is we say these are the scopes. We don't actually have dollar values associated with it. So a prime could take a tertiary scope of work. That is a scope which is never going to, very rare to happen. Give them 15% credit for it 
have an LBE or somebody think, I'm going to get 15% of this contract value, but then when those dollars happen, those dollars don't happen, where do those dollars flow? Those dollars likely end up being utilization by the prime of contracting work. Okay. So that's, that's the idea of there are not guarantees. It's more that the crediting process <clears throat> for being able to win the contract is based on a more realistic assessment. So why didn't we do that with the primary scopes? We didn't do it with the primary scopes because we do think it could be much larger. You could have 20%, 30%, 40%, which are just structural. Um, so we didn't do it with the primary because we didn't feel like we could make a realistic ceiling. Um, and the idea was to be even 5% is pretty generous um, for the secondary and tertiary. But we wanted to you know, start this concept of setting, setting ceilings and see how it could be more realistic. So you know, we could have an as-needed engineering contract that is primarily you know, only a few of the scopes. And then my only other question was, if I was if looking at it correctly, is of the qualified pool of seven, mm -hmm. um, one did not submit a DEI plan. That's right. So, so why are we including them in the scope of seven? Because it was credited with a single point. So it could be determinative in the scoring process, and it couldn't. We didn't have a DEI plan as a minimum qualification, but that's an interesting idea mm -hmm. <laughs> um, for, a future, for a future opportunity, that you must have one. And I do want to say there is a question about, um, you know, why is it only one point? Why isn't it five points or something right. more? And one of the things that we came up with is that we had no idea what the quality of these DEI plans was going to be. Mm -hmm. And I did not want to give somebody with a written that morning DEI plan the same number of points as somebody who had a thoughtful plan. Right. Um, and we don't actually have a series of criteria for how to evaluate the plan. So we said, look, given that risk, let's just do it at a point. Let's look at what we have. And we're working with, with Tony in terms of examining all the different DEI plans so that perhaps we could come up with criteria but I love the possibility of maybe making it an MQ, um, and I'll take that up with, with other folks as an idea. No, I mean, I think you did a tremendous job, particularly your outreach um, to different communities. I do think it would be great at some point moving forward, um, either through our workshops that we do with contractors, or I don't know if we ever, um, <clears throat> like, actually, I don't know if we do this, but, like, ever public, like, you could strip out stuff for confidentiality, like, publish a model response to an RFQ or some sort of learning opportunity, um, like schools do, model papers for um, students when they're doing assignments. But I would love to see us come up with sort of model plans, not that could be cut and pasted, but that could really give thoughtfulness to a sector that we know lacks diversity and inclusion. Um, but I'm supportive of the item, and I really want to commend your work on this, Stephanie. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks, uh, Commissioner Gilman. Great comments. Uh, Commissioner Lee. Uh, I mean, this is quite a bit of work for something that's just in the air, you know. I mean, it's good to have standby. My question is, is okay, these seven uh, qualify at this point, but then, you know, we don't know when you're going to call them, correct? I mean, basically, they're on, on call when the projects come up. So what happens if things change employment-wise? You know, suddenly, you know, whatever, internally, you know, what got them there, suddenly got laid off and no longer required. So what, what do you do in that case? We don't have to use them. Or we can, um, part of having multiple entities in the pool is that we can, um, we have other entities to go to. I mean, staff changes are real, right? That's inevitable. 
Um, right. So we can then learn what are the staff changes, who is the most qualified for this particular, what we call a contract service order, for this particular need to have. And then we make choices in terms of who we use among, among the folks in the pool. And so that'll be when the contract comes up? When this contract service order comes up. And then up. you would say, okay, do you follow these? Yes. And we start again. But yeah. at least eliminates 30 some odd people and now you've just got seven in the pool. Yeah, and it's really starting with four. So we're gonna award four immediate contracts mm -hmm. where we will then be able to pull contract service orders, which is a much faster process, you know, multi-week process, mm. which is very fast for us right. in terms of getting folks working. Um, if we have an additional need, which would, would be an entirely new contract, contract, then we could go to the, the larger pool wow. and have them compete. Wow, okay, well, it's uh, a lot of, you know, pre-work, oh my God, how many hours did you work on this? But uh, thank you and uh, I'm supportive of this situation, <laughs> possible situation. Stephanie, um, the work that you and your team do, the work is just very meticulous. Uh, you've done your due diligence. It's kind of like a surgeon, very just like peeling it on you. You've got it right down to a science and um, I'm in favor of, of this. I, I, I appreciate it, and I also appreciate your open-mindedness, not even thinking in a box. People always talk about thinking outside a box. You shouldn't have a box, and I, I love your thinking, thinking out of both sides of the brain and thinking well on your feet and uh, just using your creative imagination and uh, making something work and, and getting back to us. And so this is, this, this is excellent, and I, I'm, I'm in favor. So thank you so much. All right, commissioners, we have a motion and a second. All in favor, say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion passes unanimously. Resolution 2268 is adopted. Jenica, next item, please. Item 13A is an informational update on the second bond issuance request and the amount of $42 million of Proposition A bonds to support early projects, adaptation strategies, and San Francisco Waterfront Coastal Flood Study General Investigation. Good afternoon, President Adams, Commissioners, uh, Director Forbes, staff, and the members of the public. I'm here with Nate Cruz, who's our acting CFO for the port, and Carlos Colon, who's our Waterfront Resilience Program Administrator, um, to talk about this second bond sale. I'm just going to do a few introductory slides up front about the work going on in the program, and then really hand off to Nate. Um, so this is our agenda for the presentation. Um, we have, as Director Forbes mentioned in, in her report to the commission, we have a lot of work going on in the program. There were some very big milestones this year. Um, this slide shows that we're working across the seven and a half miles of the port's jurisdiction. Um, our, our big effort is the Army Corps of Engineers flood study. Um, uh, and you saw earlier uh, in the fall a presentation about the draft waterfront adaptation strategies uh, that have been released publicly to arrive, uh, we hope, in the middle of next year at a preferred plan that the Commission can embrace. Um, and also the Embarcadero early projects, um, uh, which are really the focus of Proposition A spending that is the subject matter for this presentation. Uh, there are other efforts like the Living Seawall Pilot, 
Uh, we worked with Port Engineering on the Southern Waterfront Earthquake Assessment. Um, uh, and their other resilience efforts do, uh, including the historic peers rehabilitation program that are outside of the waterfront resilience program, we play more of a support role in terms of those other port resilience efforts. So um, as a reminder, we identified 23 uh, Embarcadero early projects in December of 2021. Um, the, the project the, you know, the program team has been working on six of these projects. Um, they have advanced through needs assessment, which is a process of really working with the, the broader port team to you know, identify problems, opportunities, constraints in each of these project areas, um, uh, develop a range of potential alternatives uh, for dealing with those proper problems, opportunities, and constraints uh, that will then advance into a formal alternatives analysis to choose uh, to recommend uh, the best project alternative for advancing uh, further into pre-design. Uh, you can see these planning steps on this slide. Um, so after alternatives assessment, we'll advance to conceptual engineering uh, for the early projects, then into detailed design, environmental review, construction, and closeout with the goal of advancing one or more of those early projects to construction by the end of 2024. And now I'm going to pass it off to Nate Cruz. Thank you, Nate. Afternoon, Commissioners. Nate Cruz, Acting Deputy Director of Finance and Administration. I'm going to walk through the funding uh, sources and uses of the WRT, WRP program. Excuse me. Uh, so this is a just the first table is just a large overview of where we are today. This is the appropriations that you approved to date, um, back to sort of the inception of the program uh, through the current fiscal year. So where we stand today, you've approved 64.5 million dollars. Uh, of funding. We're asking to issue a second bond issuance for $42 million. That'll bring us up to 106.5. I do want to point out on this slide that, you know, obviously the lion's share of the funding has come from that first seawall bond issuance of $49.7 million. We did that early on in the pandemic. I think it was May or June of 2020. Um, but along the way, there's also been these really critical contributions from the port and our, 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 our fellow city agencies. And those are absolutely essential. To, well, they were essential early on because they were the only money. There's sort of that seed money in the project. But as we move forward, bond eligibility rules prohibit us from spending every. We, we can't find a source for every, every, every spending need that comes from the bond. And so these port capital contributions are really flexible and allow us to do the work we need to do to advance the project, where the spending might not be eligible for the bond. So you'll consider can continue to see contributions to this very important project. Uh, the last thing I want to point out on this slide is, is down at the bottom outside the table. Uh, we also have, uh, I think, under active consideration, $48.7 million in grant applications. Uh, we just added that to this slide because we wanted to illustrate the, the span of sources we're looking for money. Uh, we want to, obviously, this is a citywide effort uh, that benefits the entire region, and we want to make sure that everyone has an opportunity to contribute. Uh, so that's the funding sources. Here are the program expenditures to date. So as I mentioned, you've appropriated $64.5 million. 
We spent a little over 50 at 51.7. Uh, obviously, where we are in this phase of the project, um, most of that money has gone towards planning. Right, we're still very early on. Uh, really excited to see these early projects begin to mature, and we start starting to see some specificity. But as you look at, as I show these expenditure slides, you'll see that most of the dollars are in planning. Um, so on to the specifics of the bond. So the first bond issuance that you approved for $49.7 million, uh, we've spent nearly all of it uh, at $40 million. Again, all of that, uh, or the bulk of that spending is in planning. We've been using that to advance the flood study, uh, these early projects, and to get us as far as we are today. But since that issuance, there's been some changes, and I just, or there's been a number of changes. I want to highlight just two of them. First is a, is an amendment to the CH2M contract, increasing the not to exceed amount from roughly 40 million to 60 million. That was to accommodate a, a wider scope of planning work. And the second increase, or the second amendment that I wanted to point out was a, an amendment to the U.S. Army Corps of Engineer flood study, uh, expanding it from six to $16 million and increasing the duration of the study. Uh, that's really a, a benefit to the port. Ultimately, that flood study is the key to unlocking federal dollars to help fund this effort. And so that was definitely a positive uh, piece of news when we made that amendment. So on to the second bond issuance, and this is what we're uh, requesting uh, your approval to issue. So we're hoping to issue $42 million in bond proceeds. Uh, the uses of those proceeds are illustrated in this table. Uh, really excited to see uh, Embarcadero early projects in the table now, so we can start advancing those specific projects. Uh, so there's still, there's still planning, right? We're still in the early phases. We're not, we don't have construction dollars in here yet, um, but those are, those are going to come soon. Uh, and that brings me to the schedule. Now we're here with an informational item. Uh, discussing this uh, approval. We'll be back in January requesting your approval of the issuance, and then we go on to the Board of Supervisors finally to issue those bonds in 2023. This phase of funding will get us up to basically the construction. We'll be ready for construction of those early projects. We're anticipating a third issuance in 2024. Uh, we'd considered maybe doing a larger issuance now to cover the potential <coughs> construction costs later. Market conditions aren't so great right now, and so it, it, it was much more efficient for us to right-size the issuance today to get us to construction. We'll come back in 2024 and, and hope that inflation has been tamed and rates are a little bit more favorable for the port. Uh, but with that, uh, that concludes my presentation. Carlos, Brad, and I are here to answer questions. Thank you, uh, Brad, Nate, and Carlos for your presentation. Um, now let's open it up for public comment. Is there any public comment in the room? Seeing none, Tedman will provide instructions now for remote participants. Thank you, President Adams. At this time, we will open the queue for anyone on the phone who would like to make public comment on item 13A. Please dial star three now if you wish to make public comment. The system will let you know when your line is open. Others will wait on mute until their line is open. Comments will be limited to three minutes per person. The queue is now open. Again, please dial star three if you wish to make public comment. At this time, there are no members of the public on the phone wishing to make public comment on this item. Uh, thanks, Tadman. At this time, public comment is closed. Uh, Commissioner Lee. Um, <clears throat> well, really no comment other than, you know, 
there's a lot of work in um, you know getting this money together. Um, yeah, definitely get started. The faster you get started, then inflation doesn't catch up, and then you're out of money later when you ask for it again. Uh, so, no real comment. It's a lot of great work here, and I'm just anxious to get started on it. You know, I mean, after this last rain, I thought we're going to be flooded. You know, so. <laughs> so anyway, good job. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Gilman. Um, Brad, Nate, no questions. Thank you so much. Same thing, guys. Good, good, good presentation, Brad, Nate, Carlos. Nate, I never saw you when I was at Georgetown. Um, I was a Hoya, and I never saw you. We must have missed each other. But no, guys, this this is great. And for me, this this project is so so huge, right? It almost hurts the brain, but it has to be done. And I just appreciate the effort that you're putting into it. Um, it's, it's complicated, it's constantly changing, and of course the market, as you said, a lot of things are happening with inflation and a lot of things, and nothing, we don't know what it's going to look like, but as far as, you know, how the market goes up and down, but this is going to be a great project at the end, uh, and I appreciate the effort of all three of you, so thank you so much. Uh, Jenica, next item, please. Item 13B is informational presentation regarding Waterfront Resilience Program, local business enterprise subcontracting, <gasps> and WRP equity you. actions. Uh, good evening, uh, President Adams, Commissioners, Director Forbes, Carlos Colon, the Waterfront Program, Waterfront Resilience Program Administrator, and I'm here to present the LBE and equity update on the program. Um, I do want to say before I start, normally this presentation is done following Stephanie Tang's presentation on the LB update for the port. Uh, and I apologize that last time, last meeting I was not ready, and so that's why I'm presenting this meeting. Um, so I will talk about equity. I also talk about LBE participation on the CH2M Hill contract, and then our next steps. Um, so here we're sort of talking, I'd like to talk about the sort of external equity that we're working on. We're really focused on jobs, especially for um, residents in port adjacent communities, uh, contracting, uh, supporting LBEs, and getting them ready to bid on our upcoming early projects. And then funding, we just presented on the, the bond, but funding is also really important to continue this work so that we continue to fund the projects and develop careers that could go on for decades. Um, to talk a little bit about workforce development, we spent the last, say, about two years doing sort of a uh, needs assessment, a baseline analysis. We reached out to our stakeholders, and in early 2023, we were going to have a, a workforce development implementation plan. Uh, and I think that's probably in March 2023, and that'll get us going once we select early projects to develop a workforce that can then be prepared when those early projects start and hopefully by the end of 2024. We're also focused on LBE development and support services. Uh, again, in the last couple of years, we've been sort of doing the needs analysis, uh, also working with Tiffany Tatum and Stephanie Tang on the work that they're doing for LBE support for the port in general. Uh, we are also going to have a implementation plan early next year which will help us prepare again for the early projects once they're selected uh, and ready for early de uh, detailed design and ready for uh, construction. 
last month we also launched a uh, page on our website to keep LBE prospective contractors, consultants um, informed of our progress. Uh, internally, we're also focused on equity in the program. Uh, CH2M is about to submit a final draft of an equity framework memo, and this will help guide equity uh, throughout alternative development in the program. And I'm going to focus on uh, the LBE participation in the CH2M Hills contract. Um, the CH2M LBE commitment is 21.19%. To date, and I should say today is through September, uh, that's the last invoice we, that we paid for them. Uh, we've paid them $37.8 million. $10.2 million have been paid to LBEs at 27.2%. Uh, so you can see that as of now, we are exceeding the 21% goal. The breakdown of the LBE categories, MBE, OBE, WE, 7.2% for MBE, 0.1% for OBE, 19.8% for WBE. Now, I also break down it into the other categories. Of, uh, these are not MBEs. I'd like, these are minority-owned businesses. And the reason why I break it down here as well and you can see this total is 10.6%. It is higher than the 7.2% for MBEs. And that is because of two reasons. CMD only lets you select one category when you register. So there are some WBEs that are minority owned. CH2M is also uh, subcontracted with some minority owned businesses, which are not LBEs. And so overall, in the contract, it's 10.6% minority-owned businesses which are participating. So here's some, some highlights. Um, I really like this one. Of the $59.9 uh, million not-to-exceed amount, uh, CH2M has gotten to 92% of their LBE requirement. And just before this meeting, I was checking my emails and looking at some LBE task, uh, not LBE, ta uh, task authorizations, which we are reviewing. And I think there was uh, about $1.4 million for LBEs. And so by the end of this calendar year, CH2M will have exceeded their 21% LBE goal. Um, as of now, nine of the 17 LBE subs have met or exceeded their original percentage. And uh, there is about 17.5 million remaining in unscoped future task authorizations. And so there's gonna be a lot more opportunities for LBEs moving forward. Uh, this slide's a little small, but it, this, is, this image is also in the staff report. It shows sort of what was planned at the time of an amendment in 2019 versus the actual uh, LBE participation you can see in phase one that uh, we, in 2019, the assumption was that it'd be at 15.5% LBE participation and the actual is 27.3%. And you can see the breakdown by category and that in uh, I think five of the six uh, subtasks, CH2M exceeded LBE participation. Um, on the overall contract, at this time of the contract, CH2M expected to be at 16.9% task authorizations to LBEs. 
and they have exceeded that at 20.86%. Uh, so moving forward, I will continue to present to the commission uh, when the port staff, T Stephanie presents on LBE port goals and participation, and we will update uh, the commission on contract, uh, contracting opportunities in early, early uh, 2023. Um, not here, and I think we're gonna do this. Um, once the workforce development and LBE support services implementation plans are complete, I think we should probably come to the commission and tell you what we found and what we plan to do moving forward. And that's it, if you have any questions. Thank you, uh, Carlos, Brad, let you take the lead on that. Thank you both uh, for your presentation. Now let's open it up for public comment. Is there any public comment in the room? Seeing none, uh, Tevin will provide instructions now for remote participants. Thank you, President Adams. At this time, we will open the queue for anyone on the phone who would like to make public comment on item 13B. Please dial star three if you wish to make public comment. The system will let you know when your line is open. Others will wait on mute until their line is open. Comments will be limited to three minutes per person. The queue is now open. Please dial star three if you wish to make public comment. At this time, there are no members of the public on the phone wishing to, to make public comment on item 13B. Thanks, Tedman. Public comment is closed. Commissioner Gilman. Well, first off, Carlos, thank you for this report. And it's fine that you had to delay it to sort of get your ducks in order. So I, I did just want to say that from, at least from me, my point of view as a commissioner. And I really want to commend CH2M, who I guess is not here today because, uh, oh, are they? Okay. Um, because that's really great that you are on track to exceed your goal, I mean, at this early stage in the project. And I can't wait for you to come back and report that they met 200% of their goal. I really appreciate this report. Thank you. Commissioner Lee. Uh, no comment. Uh, good job. Get more hit that 200%. <laughs> thanks, Carlos, and, and thanks for being up front that you wanted to make sure you had everything right and tight when you came here, and that's very well thought out, and, and I appreciated uh, your presentation, and I'm looking forward to it when you come back, but uh, thank you for keep uh, raising the bar and, and keep pushing it, so thank you both very much. Um, <clears throat> Jenica, next item, please. Item 14 is new business. President Adams, I have not uh, recorded any new business. Is there any new business at this point? Commissioner Lee had a couple of things he was going to bring up, and I think Commissioner Gilman, I think you know about what we talked about earlier. So go ahead, Commissioner Lee. You want to go first? Okay. Well, you know, 2023 is coming. I uh, like to get prepared for a tourist season if possible. So, you know, I think I had, you know, something in mind that maybe um, somehow, well, I don't know if there's a budget or, or SFMTA wants to, help out with that, but, uh, you know, have more access from cruise ship tourists to be able to, uh, you know, hit our districts, you know, on their own. Sometimes instead of having a tour, they can jump on a bus uh, and uh, maybe provide some loading zone somewhere where these um, uh, jump on and off bus people can go to uh, various stops, Fisherman's Wharf, uh, North Beach, Chinatown, Union Square, and then loop back around. So I kind of like to see something like that. Mm -hmm. um, it's come, I've got some correspondence from 
some uh, local vendors, I guess. Uh, they're having issues with illegal vendors, if, you know, that are permit that are not permitted. So I'd like to know or get some kind of report on what's happening uh, with some kind of. Um, are we monitoring the situation? Are we are we um, mm. you know doing something about it? Or I mean, we know COVID has you know made a lot of people struggle, and but then again, the ones that do pay the permits and do do the right thing should be in consideration of. Um, of, of doing their jobs, you know, without any obstruction. So I just like to know where we are in that. So that's kind of where we are. And 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 I'm appreciative of Megan coming in because I have a lot of. I was going to give it to you, but now I could give it to her of a lot of ideas for the recovery. You can still give them to me. Okay. Okay. Good. Okay. So I'll CC you. Yes. But um, and that's all yes, I have. Yes. Thank you, Commissioner. Yeah. Commissioner Gilman. Um, thank you. I guess mine are similarly along the same lines as we embark in 2023 in our economic recovery. Um, I would love to see an informational or when Megan is, is ready to, to have a micro report on mm -hmm. economic recovery mm -hmm. for the Fisherman's Wharf north mm -hmm. of Pier 39. In, in particular, that area I think has really been struck by vacancy um, and folks that are struggling. It's one of the most historic parts. So sort of north of Pier, like right north of Pier 29 all the way to the High Street Pier um, where our jurisdictional stops. I'd be very interested in that. Um, I know we've applied for some grants. I'd like to see an update on our Wayfair signage. Um, to Commissioner Lee's point, um, a cruise ship docked there. What day was I walking? Like the, the princess from was in was in town or maybe is still here. Mm -hmm. um, there was a ton of tourists coming off. There was traffic patrol officers, but literally there was no signage that says behind you is the ferry building. Mm. Going forward is um, an historic historic neighborhoods. Um, to, so I really would like to understand what what we're doing around around signage. Same around um, the ferry terminals where the ferries dock. If folks come off and want to see historic dog patch our historic um, shipyard, there's really nothing that points them in that direction. So I think with economic recovery um, and hoping to um, to invite more visitors to the waterfront, I think that could be really critically important. Um, so I'd love to understand um, what we're doing with that. Um, and I, I think for me, that concludes my new business. I did want to say congratulations on ending the year in a positive cash position that you noted in your report. Mm -hmm. um, especially, I know we have structural deficits, but mm -hmm. that I think we should really commend all the port yeah. staff yes. and you, um, Director, mm -hmm. um, for doing that um, in a time when we, we were starting in such a deficit through the pandemic. Thank you. Um, I wanted to just kind of, is it okay? Absolutely. Okay, I just wanted to go back to some earlier about making sure we can get a list going forward of more of that will be coming forth so we know as the commissioners that more are going to be coming at us and so I yes. rather know up front what's what's ahead and uh, we already know what's uh, behind us um, I just want to say a special thank you to the staff in the back you make sure that we have this make this thing happen thank you we wouldn't be able to do it without you a uh, special thank you director Forbes and deputy Mike Martin and the staff here Thank you. We've gotten through 2022. We're going to roll into 2023, and we're going to make a bang. Jenica, first day. You hit it. You knocked it out the park today. Thank you. Uh, best of luck. Thank you again. And um, on behalf of the, the commission, we want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a, 
uh, happy new year. And uh, I don't think there's any other business. And if we can get a motion to adjourn. A motion to adjourn in 2022. We, we adjourned in the memory of the late Mike Hardiman, who was the president of the Port Commission and was an icon in the city of San Francisco and gave his best. Have a good holiday. See you all. Be careful and be safe. We are now adjourned. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.